the hard shoulder. With Nissan. Number one for petrol in Ireland. Number one for electric. Nissan. Innovation that excites. This is News Talk. You're very welcome back to The Hard Shoulder. Kieran Cudahy standing in for Ivan today. Now, every Friday on the show at this time, we take a look back at the stories that really got us talking over the past seven days. Joining me for this edition of The Final Furlong in studio this evening are Jim Elliott, comedian Shona Murray, special correspondent with the Irish Independent and Bill Hughes, TV producer with Mind the Gap Films. You're very welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we're going to start with a middle-aged adults. Take a listen to this. That's Finn Lizzie with Bad Reputation. It seems middle-aged adults are more concerned about reputation than health when drinking alcohol. This is research from the University of Adelaide in Australia. Uh, they looked at a number of studies from around the world about looking at non-problematized middle-aged adults and their drinking habits. And the analysis of the results found that people aged 30 to 65 don't identify health as a significant concern in relation to alcohol consumption unless they were likely to harm another. Uh, do you think about health, Bill, if you're having a drink? <laughs> I love that you came to me first, being the one middle-aged person who's at the table. Um, do I think about health on occasion, but not, it's not a, I am more concerned about falling down. That's my biggest concern. Which is, is reputation. That I I'll fall down. And then the other thing is Repu- that I will fall tell Fall down pe- and people will see you or fall down and hurt Injury. yourself? Fall down and hurt myself. Okay. Oh. I couldn't care if anybody saw me. It's, it's really <laughs> if I hurt myself. Okay. Um, and then the other one really is that, you know, I'll tell somebody what I really think of them. Oh, uh, you know, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that. And then there's also that I will say something that in this PC world... Uh, that could send me to jail. Vino you know. Veritas and Oh, really? No, that, no it's just got a closet racist on our hands here. <laughs> no, I'm a, child the of the, I'm a child of the 60s when you said stuff and you could tell people where to go and you could tell them I don't really... think they did that in the 60s. I thought the 60s was all about peace, a flower power... Sorry, darling. It was about dropping acid and having sex indiscriminately. That's what it was about. Exactly, not sort of um, racism and um, aggression. Just because I said that I'd say something non-PC, you immediately dived on it. (laughs) You dived on it and thought racist. No, no, no. no. It's It's pure misogyny with Bill. That's what it is. Not racism. Listen, as a gay man, I cannot be misogynist. Oh, you can. Lots of gay men can be misogynist. Have you ever tried? It's fun. You should do it. No, I mean... Let's face it, there are lots of gay misogynists, as there are heterosexual misogynists, but just because you're gay doesn't mean you're not No, right. Nobody anyway. puts Shauna in the corner, obviously, <laughs> just like baby. There we go. Do, do I take it then that you're constantly biting your lip to stop these things slipping out the rest of the I already have diabetes, so if I bit my tongue, it's not going to give me anything else. But no, I just am scared sometimes that when I've had a lot of drink and if I'm goaded, I wouldn't just walk up to somebody and say something offensive. But if they push me and if... You know, if they're really looking for a row, they'll get the row. So if you get drunk, would you be afraid that you're going to be offensive or just maybe ask somebody, you know, nice tits or something like that? Or I would never say anything like that, but I'd be indiscreet. And being indiscreet is a little bit of a danger like sometimes. Like what? 
you know, telling people too much about something that's mm. going on in your life or telling people what you're up to or yeah. uh, sharing business secrets or sharing your thoughts on somebody you're working with. Yeah, the men's and show There's business. loads of stuff, mm. you know. Yeah. I mean, Shona? Yeah, I agree actually fully. You know, <laughs> I think that the worst thing about uh, alcohol I, that I think of the next day is I, have, I get the fear, you know, and I just think, what did I say that for? Why didn't I stop at that sentence? Or where was the full stop in that rant, you know? And, and, and that's, and only, never, and that's ever only after alcohol you think this, is it? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. No, but at least I have something to blame <laughs> when I have when it's alcohol, you know? And yeah, that's... I never think of the... Um, the health, the adverse health effects. Actually, I probably should, um, but certainly what I do think of is, you know, maybe. But does I it, does stop the reality when you know when you kind of you check it out then, or you talk to people and you try to kind of sound out how bad it was? It's never really. It's just the yeah, fear. Yeah, but then I always it? think the that people are just saying are that to make me feel better because they know okay. I've got the fear, <laughs> or would they say you weren't that bad? Well, in, yeah. in that article, they're talking about the big things are slurred speech, vomiting, and hangover. And I would say I've never, I, like, I vomited when I was 14 mm. and I got drunk on yeah, wine and cheese and wine. Yeah, you know, I that's don't. But since then, you know, you get drunk, but you don't get that no, drunk. No, that's true. I don't. It's drunk. not that I've ever, it's not that I'm in that um, place where I was, I'd vomit or anything. Um, or slur my speech, which is a problem because if I slurred it, maybe it wouldn't have been so clear. <laughs> but also, I worry that people get drunk and abdicate responsibility yeah. for well, themselves that's, that's, and yeah. for their own safety. And I, I, I hate that. Yeah, no, I hate that. And it's not nice company to be in as well. No. There are people that you know, and I have friends who I really, you know, love going out with, and you know, you can see them slipping away from reality and then you know that they're then yeah. a liability and sometimes you're like, you have to, there is a friend of mine that I say to, like, you just, you're much smaller or you're or you just can't drink as um not as much but even just after two or three glasses of wine she's a goner and she just says anything and it's like there's no filter whatsoever mm. and then they're a liability because they're talking nonsense no fun and saying the same things to other people and you know that's that is a bit annoying so that and then you know and also their safety as well like falling down or you know walking out of a nightclub at you know one o'clock in the morning without regard for where they're actually going in the direction so yeah it's been Jim you want to jump in there on, so on, I wanted on the to jump in there on, on something that, yeah on the abdication where you said uh, the, the alcohol gives you something to blame does that ever work do you ever like say something no. to somebody that's a horrible thing and then you try to tell everybody else but no no no, no. Listen, no. I was drunk I don't get aggressive, actually. No, no, I actually don't. Um, it, I, I, that's not one even thing. Aggressive. I never. Just no, like I don't mean even, unintentionally I, you know, insulting. No, I mean you know? not really. Uh, like, ah, did you see the bride? No. Who did she think she was? She could get away with wearing uh, no, a dress never, like that. No, I'm not actually. And then later, like that. be I, like, nah. I wouldn't actually. In fairness, most of it's jovial. There may be a joke that it may be gone too far, joke but too I. Far. But I wouldn't be bitchy or you know aggressive or I wouldn't ever have a ra- I've never had a fight with someone drunk really no not really no and this may be if you I'd have a, a fight with your yeah, partner yeah that's I would rather, I'd rather oh, drink yeah. with Bill I'd based be really on the two bitchy. of these no I, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't if I was pushed it's fine if I was pushed um, not for any other reason but than yeah. somebody really I feel at that time they deserve to be told something Right, and okay. if they deserve to be told, they've brought me to that mm. level. And would you, would you, Let would me you, tell you something. Yeah. Yeah. Would yeah. yeah. be kind of aggressive. Would you be no. a little aggressive? No. no we're no. talking Henry Sellers. No. Yeah, who no. are we talking about? Who do you want to tell, Bill? Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure where that's going. No. <laughs> I, like, uh, I'm a sleepy drunk before I get to any of that stage. Uh, yeah. 
you know, like very early on. Although just, I've seen you at Christmas parties, Karen. Which say, ones? I, I think, yeah, well, well all of them. <laughs> Until I left <laughs> years ago. And there's been a few of those occasions. I don't think that you were a sleepy per se, although you probably did leave early. Okay, I'm going to move it on rapidly, actually, <laughs> on that. Uh, um, uh, there was a, uh, a story from the UK. Police officers in uh, Leicestershire had hoped for a crime investigation course to improve their skills People might have seen it during the week. Instead, they're going to be taught how to banter, it says, in the office without causing offence. The training, which officers first thought was a joke, is to help them understand the fine line between funny and harmful communication. It is said to put political correctness in its place, recognise the benefits of fun at work and focus on the risk and responsibilities for all concerned. Jim, you must have strong... I I saw this night, Jim must surely have strong opinions. As soon as I saw the headline... Because the headline just says, uh, Police taught to use banter. And I just had this wonderful image of them bringing up like a load of Irish guys who are great crack and being like, this is how you talk to people. This is how we get the party going. And then you realize, oh, it's just because they don't want to insult people in the office. I, uh, do cops in the cops deal with the worst stuff on the planet all the time. And after scraping some guy off the road and interrupting a domestic and you're going to come back in the office and be like, you know, you were way out of line with that with that joke about immigrants or whatever. Like, is that really our top concern with our police force these days? And I and I, I don't know. I was reading about this and, and uh, cops using, you know, banter coaching. I guess that's the problem with everybody in the workplace now. You, I mean, and, not, and I don't mean that as dismissive as that sounded. People do need to realize that it's not the 60s anymore and you can't walk around the office slapping people on the butt and, and, and just the general amount of carry-on that used to be permitted in a workplace environment isn't anymore. And I get that. But, like, this is our top priority. These are what the cops need lessons in. We don't need lessons in, uh, I don't know, how to non-violently take down a drunk yeah. on a night out. Like, that. that's, you yeah. know... That's, I think it really misses the point about um, yeah. a cultural understanding rather than... It's not about trying to teach somebody to be funny or, you know, when at a situation which are... When it involves the police, it's rarely a funny occasion anyway. So why would you even drum up a, a sort of a quip from whatever is the circumstance that you're in? And uh, I'm sure they do. Like, uh, look, I'm, not I'm sure there's a real black humour. There, there must be. Oh, you, yeah, no, you lose your mind. Yeah, I, yeah, of course. But I think teaching people, that I think it's more just about having the cops, the police, the guardie, uh, having compassion in general and um, dignity for you know, they're the people that they're engaging with. And that would be a much better approach rather than trying to get the police to be somehow funny. I think this is further proof that the world is mirror, mirroring social media and popular television. And that's the problem, that the cops are working in a world where people are working off a different script. So banter has come out of, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, and the celebrity Big Brother and Big Brother itself. And banter, which has become a really painful and wounding way of shutting other people up or trying to end an argument or trying to cheap score points against other people and the banter has therefore permeated into our everyday lives as a way of living and that cops are being brought up to date but I think what a waste of their time I'd much rather they were solving crimes it gets insulting to them as well well I mean there's this other thing here about uh, in the article they're talking about how they're they're taught uh, to, to use banter and recognize the fine line if you were to reword some of this article and say instead of it's in a, where was it Leicestershire and instead of there say it was the LAPD and they taught racial sensitivity training then I'd be fully on board because that is about that is something that has a real impact that if everybody's going around the office going n-bomb 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 you know it's, it's slurs about Mexicans and whatever that is going to 
you know, seep into how you do your job. And when you pull a guy over in a car, how does that not color how you see him? So that sort of thing, that's what I was trying to, I, I started immediately making fun of it. And then I thought, now, wait a minute, maybe there is something to this here that we need to, to sort of police the way the police are policing. And I'd be much happier if they learned how to do their job without having to wear a balaclava. Yeah. Mm. Well, I think yeah. those are the mm-hmm. issues. Um, actually, that's another thing that about that incident a few weeks ago, you know, um, like obviously the sight of the police wearing balaclavas was it was it was unsightly. Um, it looked just it just added a lot more unnecessary tension to the to the scene. And I just then what emerged and what has been emerging since maybe the water protests and not taking either sides is the them versus us mentality with the Gardaí. And it's a terrible thing because you think that the Gardaís really should be there to put, to ensure security of everybody present, mm. protesters and those they're protesting against and ensuring that things don't get out of hand. But the but the enforcement level can be excessive and then you create so much more drama mm. rather than actually dealing with the issue at hand and people, civilians, feel the police are against them and that's a real problem. And that idea that the police are against you is really bad for stability when it comes to any society because then you lose trust in the police and it's totally, again, not all police officers uh, want to behave in such an aggressive way. Uh, so I just think that's that's where we should be at, really talking about the police as a force for good. And I'm not saying that they should be sort of, you know, um, treating everybody with kid gloves because there are people who are quite nasty out there who are, you know, doing harm. But just for the average person, for the protester, who I think rightfully are protesting something that is a terrible crisis in this country. And people should be protesting about homelessness. They should be protesting about homelessness more than they should be protesting against the visit of Trump, as far as I'm concerned, because this is much more fundamental and important. So just the police thing, Rather than teaching them a banter, teaching them like and having a conversation with them about how we can all work together. It's interesting that uh, what you said about people needing to know that the police are on their side. So after the the Balaclava incident, all the protesters moved from in front of that house down to the top of O'Connell Street, and they shut down that intersection for a good couple of hours. Now I'm coming back into the, the city, and my bus has to pull over. Everybody gets off, so I walked through it on my way out, and I heard. So there's just they were just occupying the, the central square, and there was a ring of Garda around them just to make sure nothing kicked off. Nobody was being mean to anybody but there was one guy one pro i don't know if he was a protester just a guy walking through who was shouting about all oh, guards are pigs and all mm, guards yeah. are bums and he's using much more colorful language than that and he got shouted down by the protesters Good, yeah. there mm. the other protesters like some of them were just kids sitting on the ground they're like no they're not not all of them you obviously have an axe to grind blah 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 yeah. that actually kind of made me feel good that is good because yeah. then that because also you know saber rattling and being belligerent towards guardias that's not going to help yeah well definitely not going to help alright look we're going to take a short break now to gather our thoughts stay with us we'll be returning with more analysis of the news over the last week back in a moment you're very welcome back to The Hard Shoulder. Kieran Cudahy with you until 7 o'clock this evening. Jim Elliott, Shona Murray, Bill Hughes with me in studio. And now we want to turn our attention to a story about Professor Orla Muldoon. She wrote a piece in the Irish Times this week about being heckled while out jogging on the campus down in UL. As she runs as part of a running group and this is what she wrote. Last Monday, I was out running with two other women. We were subjected to three instances of harassment. They ranged from catcalling and jeering through to threatening behaviour, including one of us being shadowed by a group of men. They chased her down the street while jeering and heckling at 7pm in broad daylight. It wasn't 
pleasant. The psychology professor uh, went on to say in that piece that if uh, we take exercise and staying active in this country, uh, then we have to stop, put a stop to this kind of behaviour. Were you surprised this, this oh, story, Sean? It's not about even staying, it taking seriously uh, activity. It's taking seriously a person's right, right to move around. The right of women to exist. Like. Exactly, without being catcalled or abused or chased down the street. That's really incredible. And no, I wasn't surprised though, because I've heard of this happening so many times. Actually, a story like this comes up about once a year, I'd say, where people, where women come forward with evidence That's all? of it. Well, I mean, just like that makes it to the papers oh, and then right, right, right. it starts a discussion. Yeah. Um, so I've heard about this uh, so many times and it's really incredible. And it's even with the cat calling. Do you remember years ago, back in the 60s, I guess? <laughs> but no, since the 70s we and the 80s. We all looked around, tripping our faces yeah. off <laughs> yeah. and we yelled. <laughs> But, um, you know, catcalling was just a thing, you know, that you just expected and accepted. And, and actually, like, you know, it's those, it sounds really stereotypical, but this is what would, would happen if you're going near a scaffolding uh, in town or somewhere like that. And just brace yourself for catcalling or staring or, you know, um, yeah, like saying really lewd things that'll make you very uncomfortable. And also, and I, I, for me, it depends on what mood you're in. You know, sometimes you just ignore it and you have your headphones on. And sometimes if you're not having a great day, it can be kind of offensive, you know. Um, and generally speaking, it's just one of those things. And, and what she went through was much more um, aggressive and like threatening, actually. You know, having to run away for your own safety is really quite excessive. That's something surely somebody could be arrested for and charged for, like some sort of level of harassment. And it's pretty grim. I don't know how you guys feel as guys, because it seems to be always women that suffer well, What this. do you think we're going to say? Ah, it's a bit of crack. Like, well, no, my wife is a runner. Yeah. She runs, uh, and, and she, I, asked, I saw the story and I asked her about it. And she said, yeah, all the time. All the time. And every girl I know who I asked about this, I'm like, hey, you ever get like, yelled at? Like you were saying, they're walking by a building site in the 60s. It's not just in the 60s, man. No, it's I still know. the level of it was much more casual then. harassment. Mm. It still seems pretty accepted. Mm. Do you have, do any guy in here have any friends who have been done on any sort of charge or inconvenience to the level of inconvenience of a parking ticket for hollering at a woman on the street? Because it happens all the time. All the time. I was, I was talking to female runners that I know, and there are they have to pick their routes accordingly. They have to pick the time of day they go accordingly. They have to pick what they wear accordingly. It was a great summer, and it was really hot, and I saw a lot of women running wearing tights, and I started to make fun of them to my wife. I was like, look, it's, we, we, we so rarely get hot weather in Ireland. These women don't even have running shorts to wear. And my wife looks at me and goes, you idiot. They have running shorts. You can't wear running shorts because if that much of your leg is out, you attract too much negative attention. And that really, like, kind of slammed home to me the amount to which women have to think about this when they leave the house every day. Mm. So, I, I mean, what's to be done about it? I don't know, man. I'm a comedian. I, I, but, like, what, what could you it's actually do? It's cultural acceptance, you know, something that has been accepted over the decades. And, and women it, I will just got on with it. And, it's, again, if... Often, if it's a women complain, it's like, oh, geez, get over it. It's only a little bit of shouting here and there. I don't That's think the normal. Not, but this is really excessive stuff. I but mean, it's, I it's think, not even that bad in yeah. Dublin. Like, you ever go around in New York City and just the amount of screaming, just a guy driving the car, like, eh, eh, hey, baby. Like, I, the yeah. first couple times we were in Manhattan and it happened, I was like, that's kind of funny, local color. And by the third day, I was like, this is a real problem. Mm. Like, this is a constant barrage. I said it before, I'll say it again, I'd hate to be a woman. I, I just don't understand it at all. I could never buy into the ob culture. I could never even joke about the ob culture because mm. I always found it offensive because I don't know if you ever saw Panty's Noble Call. 
mm-hmm. and the noble call. It's yeah. it's the speech he made on the uh, she the made Abbey. on the step of the on the stage of the Abbey, and it was about having to check. Uh, mm. Was was there anything obvious about him that would attract the ire of people passing in cars and how somebody threw a carton of milk uh, to say you you big poofter and that that to me is just so shocking that that is I equate the same within the LGBT community mm-hmm. and the, mm-hmm. the straight community and that women and LGBT people suffer the same level of uh, like. It's 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 a kind of a misogyny and a homophobia, but it's all rolled into and hate. racist as it's well. It's all actually. rolled people into are, hate. People often who are um, mm-hmm. obviously not um, waspy, yeah, um, people who are uh, black or, um, or or you know or whatever. Asian, anything, anything, anything that's white. not white, exactly, yep. uh, often attracts the same level mm-hmm. of, of ire too, for no reason, and and it's again, it's hate. And but the difference with the with the catcalling is it that it's harder it's as in there's a more overt attempt or explicit attempt to excuse it by people who do it okay. as in the put it this way no but the guy that. who chucks the the milk out the window at Panty or at anyone else or drives down Georgia Street and chucks something at the George that's assault um, you know like they're not going to text in and say ah that's a bit of good humour get over it they're mm. just not going to text in when this you know what I mean they still mm. might do it mm. but but the the I guarantee there's people texting into the show right now I suppose there's a the it's it's you know there's a difference in how people do try to excuse the catcalling. I guess they don't try to excuse anymore. In the, the same way that you can't uh, police and and apply littering and say, uh, uh, you know, I arrest you in the name of a citizens, you know, and I find God, I wish a hundred, whatever. Oh, I'd love it, you to know, do that. And, and if the same was brought to that level of offensive catcalling, you know, how are you? Not a problem. You who looking great, that's, you know, yeah. whatever, that's not... But it's when people start getting abusive and people start saying horrible things to somebody. The policing is going to have to come from within the group. And for that, I I actually have a little bit of hope because it seems like the young people today are growing up much more woke, if you want to call it Mm -hmm. that, about like they're conscious of these things. But the example, the only example I can think of when I think of how do you solve this is when I think about the drunk driving culture. When I moved here, I was shocked because drinking and driving is just like normal in Virginia where Mm -hmm. I'm from. But here... I saw people, friends of mine, you'd go and you'd go for a beer and they'd go, we're going to have another, right? And somebody would go, yeah. And somebody else in the group would be like, Steve, I thought you said you were driving. And I was like, I'd never seen a group of guys, we're 24, 24-year-old guys police each other like that. So that's where it's going to have to come from. It's going to have to come mm-hmm. from a group of teenagers and a woman runs yeah. by and somebody goes, yeah, keep running. And his three friends are going to be like, hey, will you shut up? That's where it's going to have to come from. Yeah. So All right. the kids. Good luck, kids. All right, on that note, we'll move on to our next story. Have a quick listen to this. I suppose before tech existed, parents relied on trust. So when I was young and the internet didn't exist, our parents relied on us to, here's where we're going, here's how long we're going to be, here's who we're with. And if they find out that we've broken that trust, then they rein in the boundaries a little bit. So by putting that app on and telling them, I am monitoring you, what you're explicitly telling your teenager is, I don't trust you. So if you're telling them explicitly, I don't trust you, then it's going to be difficult for them because trust is a two-way street. Yeah, that was Mark Smith, the clinical psychologist, speaking to me during the week here on the show. Jamie Oliver, this is why we were talking about this story, uses an app 
called Life360. And actually, if the text reaction to this is anything to go by, lots of people use this app, actually, Life360. Um, and it allows him to monitor what his teenage daughters are doing or where they are uh, when he's not with them. And I think the example he gave, gave is, if they tell me they're going to clap him and I check and they've gone to Reading, then there's going to be trouble. Uh, yeah, uh, you know what Reading's like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. The seedy underbelly of Reading. Uh, like, I find that really odd, Bill. What, what did you think? I don't find it odd. The, of the monitoring, no? No. Why not? No, I think it's necessary in this day and age. It's not. What? Yeah. No. Well, wait, that, this makes no, your kids are older. Yeah, you. exactly. With the number of nut jobs out there who can do damage to your kids. It's the same uh, as it's always been. probably the same uh, no, number of nut jobs. No, it's yeah. even more because they're fueled by... Uh, they're f- fueled by social media. They're not enough acid. I do. I do. I, I live. You think there's more crazy people than there used to be? Oh no. yeah. What about Lots all those studies showing no. about how on a on a on a net level the world is a safer. safer society than it used to be? Your children today are sa- that, that idea of years ago and we were kicked out the front door. We came home and yeah. the sun was Sometimes like, you kick out your, five of them and only four parents of them come back. Doing that were much more negligent than parents today who would do the same thing. You know, like as in your children now in this day and age are safer than they've ever been. There's not a predator lurking around every And corner. also, say you're or, watching him on the app and he gets kidnapped. What are you going to do about it? Well, you'd know where they are, but I mean, so I think that you're right. The Liam Neeson movie would be a lot shorter. Well, okay, yeah, that's if true. the kids know where you are and you know where they are all the time, when do you cut that off? And and also, like, kids do need to learn how to fend for themselves in whatever situation they find themselves in. I can understand, though, people being really tempted to do that. A friend of mine used to have had his son. He started off first year in uh, Penn State. Uh, um, uh, and But John was like, used to follow his son around on, on the app. And he, but he'd be like... Oh, it was Saturday night one time, I remember, and he was like, oh, he's gone back to his dorm. Loser. Oh, yeah, exactly. He's like, <laughs> poor kid has no friends. Maybe and he like, scored. He, he, he didn't, you know. And so John, John was trying to get him to go out and cavort. And no, I'm telling you now. And this is a, and he spent the time going, poor Jack, that was his son. He's like, he didn't get into the rugby team and I can see he's bed early every night and Saturday night he's in his dorm and he's just going on about his son being a total nerd. I can't understand why you don't find it weird that if your kid told you they were going to Clapham which is a big place and they weren't there they were gone to Reading would you not think that something awful had happened and they'd been taken to Reading against their will. Yeah, and you'd go absolutely mental and your Life360 you'd app, you'd be ringing the police and everything. And no, what? you wouldn't need to be ringing the police. You'd just need to check in with the kid. You changed your mind. That's all. No, but the kids, Or you lied to me. But more it's a part and parcel of growing up, though, to lie to your parents and to push the boundaries out and to say you're going to clap them, but to go to Reading because your friends are going to clapping, but you're actually going to meet this girl in Reading and you don't mm. want your friends to know about it. Your, your parents, parents yeah. to know about it. Like, it's part and parcel yeah. of doing it. And actually, I would say and my kids are too young to know this but I would say if you speak to parents of older kids they'd say yeah and also as part and parcel is there's a point at which the parents realise they're lying will find out they've gone to Reading and won't say anything that, mm. you know as in there's a kind of a, I used to think that was you, you got back see, safe yeah, and you're, you're right and you do have to manoeuvre your parents your hear life you sneaking like in at night I used to think way. I used to think I was such a, a cool operator as a kid I was like my parents never know what's up Clattering and then I, and then the I watched window. my little brother in high school and I was like oh they knew every single <laughs> thing they just didn't feel like calling me on it so I, that, that there's that yeah. I once wrote the most horrendous letter to my sister who was away at college about my mother telling her what my mother had been up to and I was venting and then I read it back and I was like 15 and I went oh. that's really horrible so I tore it up Uh-oh. and I flushed it down the toilet oh, okay. I that's you said you found and it. that night my mother called me into the kitchen 
and there she had pieced it together. No way! It hadn't flushed. It had floated whatever paper I'd used and the biro and she had pieced together the letter and she, I had to explain myself. Do you know what you should have done there? Immediately, as soon as your mother started to do it, you should have said, how dare you read my letters? This was 1969. <laughs> How dare you read my <laughs> you private serious? letters? Yeah. And just turn it on its head. And despite <laughs> that experience, you're still in favour of the monitoring of children? You I just think, told a story about how left to keep your own devices safe. you made the right choice and then your mom called you on it anyway I think and everybody cut out has, of a lack of trust. I, I think everybody has to be kept safe. I, I mean, I, what kind of what kind of things that say? I can't argue with that. Like, no, Bill, I think some people need to be put in danger. Like, that's <laughs> my generation. Course, yeah, I, I'm I, trapped I, in my generation. I'm a victim of my own sort of. Oh, you had the greatest generation. You guys, you got, nobody was monitoring about? you. If you in 1970, if you wanted to leave your wife and kids and set up a whole new life, you just had to walk for half a day. And then you were in a new town and nobody would ever find you again. Now you got apps tracking you down. This is like an episode of Black Mirror, man. I think it's, it creates too much anxiety with parents as well. That they should, um, do they have to keep, how often do you have to keep checking the app to make sure their their trail is, you know, oh, as God. they detailed? And if it changes, you know, it, I just think that's too, it, there is too much surveillance. Actually, there's too much surveillance per se. Here's the other You know, in, in, in the world. I mean, I understand CCTV footage and we, we should have access to that, but. I think there's too much surveillance. So you need to be able to get on with your life and without um, Google or the big tech companies or parents knowing exactly what you're doing. Do you not feel or safer knowing that if somebody is shadowing you and if somebody is going to do harm to you, that there is a record of it somewhere? Mm-hmm. Do you not feel safer because I of do, that? I do, yeah. Do you feel constantly in peril, Bill? That's what yeah. it sounds like. That's the way the world is. Wow. Oh, it's not though. It is. Oh, it's well, a better Kieran, place I'm than that. Sorry. Oh. It is Kieran, it's like not that. for you and me. We're straight white guys. Oh yeah, true. We we lo- okay, we maybe we get I'm to slightly li- paranoid. I get to live in that this bubble. That must be a where... side effect of the, the acid. acid. That's <laughs> my point. <laughs> yeah. All right. Flashbacks and paranoia, and we have Exhibit A here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Look, on that note, uh, we're just about running out of time, but we've time for one more quick story. Yeah, that was uh, some music from Super Mario Kart, actually. It developed in 1992. I don't know, was it ever blamed for divorce? But Fortnite has been blamed. I thought maybe this was one divorce and, you know, so it was an excuse to talk about Fortnite. 200 divorces since January. The proceedings have mentioned addiction to Fortnite. Do you play it much, Shona? Do you know, I'd never heard of it. Even for someone who is obsessed with news, I'm very good at... uh, just completely ignoring other things. Which are, <laughs> you liberal which may, media elites in your bubble. Yeah, you've which, lost touch with the common man. The, which may be the focus of and the conversation. You know, the mainstay of conversation of focus by colleagues and friends. But I'm, I'd never heard of it really until you know about half an hour ago. But um, what? Tell me about it. What do you do? It's a Jim. You've played it. It's a video. Yes, Jesus. It's a game you play on your phone or your tablet. You can play it on anything, and, it, and it's a it's a uh, it's a battle royale type game or Hunger Games type game. You can only play Fight against to the other death, people. Is it? Exactly. It's it's fifteen people get dropped in a, in a playable area, and you run around and find guns and you shoot each other. And that's it. And it's a, it's a, it's a. And why more, are people getting divorced? Uh, because it's so much fun to play, and that's the thing. You can, you can, well, you, see, I think you can get, get addicted for other reasons. I think it's so much easier 
to pick up the Hunger Games and read the book. Yeah, and actually, do you know what Bill was saying? Have you read those books? They're garbage. They're fantastic. Are you kidding me? They're fantastic. That is like the that's the semi literate level reading. That's the worst piece of crap. Excuse me, Nietzsche. Jesus. No, but um, actually, what Bill was making the point at the very start of this that we're sort of slipping away from knowing the difference between reality and um, constructed reality. Well, constructed reality, yeah, I suppose. And you this think this is, video this, game this, makes people well, violent? Well, I, I wouldn't. I'm not talking about this video because I already admitted I'd never heard of it. But just generally speaking, people who engaged for too long in that sort of secondary I world. I don't buy that and at maybe, all. I've never bought well, that Well, then how argument. come then people end up divorced over it then? Because, because people get divorced they, because they get, they get addicted to something. Re- no, but they and get and you spend all reasons. your time, you, here's the thing, you don't like your marriage and so you spend all your time doing something else. And right now, the something else is Fortnite. So anything years that you ago, do was going to lead to divorce. Else. Well, well no, 50 years ago, the something else was the ponies. Anyway. Yeah. Mm. These are people who are getting divorced. It, these people are going to get divorced anyway. I don't think they have a perfectly happy so. marriage, and then so. Fortnite comes along. Yeah. And suddenly Did you guys read about pop. the guy in New York State who uh, who lost at a game of Fortnite? Here's the thing: Fortnite's really hard. It's it's hard to do well at it, especially if you're playing online because you can only play online. And the 12 and 14 year olds, their reflexes are faster than yours. They're better than you at video games. So this guy in New York State was really close to winning his first game, and he got killed by some kid. And he immediately started yelling death threats at the kid. And the kid was recording. And the guy's in jail now because you're not allowed to do that in society. But the guy was so pissed off. That's the thing. It's just a comp- it's a competitive game. But people watch it now as well, don't they? Yeah. Oh, people watch like, every video game. You don't actually play. People just log in and you can go onto your put it up on your TV, like mirrored yeah. onto the TV. Jim, I'm looking at just... you in a new light and I'm seriously worried. About I'm you. plugged into <laughs> modern culture, Bill. I don't know what to tell you. Why do you guys think Microsoft bought Twitch for a billion dollars? Twitch is a program where all it does is allow you to watch other people play video games. Do you do you do that? Doesn't make do you it right. Play video no, games? no, no, no. I Doesn't don't make I, it attractive. I, no, you're true. Just because they just cause it. a lot of people do it. That was yeah. my problem with the Hunger Games. Just because yeah. it's so popular doesn't make it good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. It, you've you obviously you've never played it then, Bill. Never played. Any, you ever played any video I, games? No. I have played Fortnite, but I don't even own a video game console anymore. I think I might get the new PlayStation because there's a bunch of games coming out this Christmas. But I was looking at it. You know what it was? Uh, The last video game I played. Nah, because that's the thing. I I knocked it off like three or four years ago because the last video game I played through to completion, uh, a game called Red Red Dead Redemption, a cowboy game. Fun game. You ride around, you save people, you kill people, blah, blah, blah. Video game. But at the end of the game... Uh, when you beat it and it ends uh, and then the credits roll and the music is playing and you feel like you've become something, yeah. And then it started playing all the statistics from the game. It's like, while you've been playing this game, your character has walked 87 miles. He has aged 14 years. He rode a horse for 32 miles. And then it said the last stat was your total playing time was 92 hours. And I looked at it, I don't remember what oh, the number Jesus. was, but I looked at that number and I was like, I, I could be an intermediate French speaker <laughs> had I spent that <laughs> 92 hours doing Correct. anything else. Yeah. And so that was kind of, that was the last video game I picked up. And All I kinda... right, on that thoroughly depressing note, Jim Elliott, <laughs> comedian, show a very special correspondent with INM and Bill Hughes, TV producer with Mind the Gap Films. Thank you all very Thank much you. for coming in. That's your lot from the Hard Shoulder this week. My thanks to the production team, editor Mark Simpson, senior producer Ashley Moore, producer Dan Flanagan, researchers Kira Courtney, Elaine Power and Steve Don. Off the ball is up next. Ivan is going to be back on Monday with the hard shoulder from four. Have a good weekend. 